But that Greek family is really, it's my family. The father was my grandfather on my mom's side. The, the mother was my mom. Aunt Vula was my Aunt Angie. So, you know, the food and everything else, that, that's my family. We're loud, we're, we're boisterous, etc. So I'm, I'm, that's the way I am. And I like it when other people are loud and boisterous as well. Do you guys like to be loud and boisterous? Yeah. That didn't sound very loud and boisterous other than one person. When I go to Africa and, and speak over there, they, they're very demonstrative in the way, that, in the way they do things. And when, when, like when you're up there, and I've, I learned this early on in one of my first missions trips over there, is that when the, the, as the speaker, if you say, Alleluia, they respond, Amen. Well, actually, they respond, Amina, but, you know, it would be a Amen here in America. And so the louder you say it, the louder they say it. And it usually goes in series of three. So we're going to get into this. Here, we're going to give you, this is your practice, okay? Alleluia. 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 All right, you are honorary Africans. So be, I, you can you can say some amens today. That's that's fine with me. A little bit about myself. I um, I've been married 33 years um, to my high school sweetheart. Um, we have four kids, five grandkids so far, um, and so you know, we've been here in Estes Park about three years. Uh, before that, we were in Florida. Before that, we were in California. I was born and raised in San Jose, California. I was in law enforcement for 20 years. Um, so that's kind of my background a little bit, just so you know where I'm coming from. So let's, you understand some of the examples that I might use or whatever. I have this law enforcement background. I've had a lot of experiences in that. Um, and so that's, that's just to help you understand me a little bit better. Um, one of the things I like to do when I go to a church is I like to pray and get God's, God's heart over a body of believers, and and get you know a word for them like god what what is on your heart regarding this body and and i was i've been praying about it for several days and uh it wasn't until this morning when i was sitting in the the chair over there that the lord really began to speak to me and gave me a word over this body and it was the the word is realignment and he wants us all of us in the body of Christ, but I really believe based upon what, you know, the individuals, maybe families in this body of, you know, body of believers have gone through, he's really, really calling your hearts and, and our hearts to line up with his. And what I wrote was it's, it's realignment, our hearts to his. He is good and he does look on you with a heart of love. Your circumstances are not the indicator of His goodness. Raise your expectations beyond what you see to who He is. And you have permission to hope and believe for more. Because I, I think sometimes as individuals, you know, life beats us down a little bit and we, we get discouraged and we get frustrated and we wonder, is God listening? Does God care? Is this word really true sometimes? We, you know, circumstances can do that to us. And God's like, you know, forget letting circumstances dictate your life. 
and begin to rely upon my nature and who I am. And I really do love you. And I really do have concern, concern for you and compassion for you. I really do see what you're going through. And my heart is moved by you. Uh, it's moved by love and compassion. And, and he wants us all to believe him for more. The, you know, when we read things in the Bible uh, you know, like healing, he wants us to believe for healing. When we read that, it's, 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 he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. And we believe that it's his will for our lost loved ones to be saved. It's his will for the people of this valley to be saved. And we've got to come into agreement with that instead of looking at the circumstances and feeling overwhelmed by them. Amen? That didn't sound very African. <laughs> Amen? Amen? So if that spoke to your heart, receive it. Um, if not, Maybe you can share it with someone else. Now, back, my, my emphasis is embracing our birthright in this series that we're doing. Um, everyone has a, you know, we, we, as pastors, we met, we discussed what the needs are in the community. We discussed what's been going on with the young people. And so we, we, we kind of dissected all the different aspects of this. And we're not hitting, obviously, every single one. But one of the things that we need to do is embrace our birthright as believers. You know, we do have a birthright. Amen? Amen. Amen. And, and we need to embrace that birthright. And there is a war going on in our nation. There's a war for the hearts and minds of people. There's a war for a young generation. There's a, there's a war going on that is... It, that is raging and sometimes we we're we're not aware of it all the time and in young people everything that they have to believe in their identity their 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 the the foundation of who they are is being shaken families are are being destroyed divorce is so common it's not even you know it's it's like it's an afterthought it's we just accept it as part of, of the fabric of our society For young people, even your sexual identity is is up for grabs. Just because you have a you know a certain type of anatomy does not dictate who you are according to the society that we live in. You can choose if you want to be a male or a female. You can choose if you want to be both. That's you got to understand what that does to the psyche of a young person. The fatherlessness rate in in African American families in America is 67%. In Hispanic families, it's 43%. Overall, the races, it's, it's 35% is the, is the average on the rate of fatherlessness in America. And so, so young people's foundations are shaken. You can, can you see that? And then the older generations... They're shaken too. We look, back to, we look back to the way it used to be. I remember America when it was not like this. I remember America when, when the name of Jesus was revered. And yeah, people would say all kinds of things, but you know what? They would never say a bad thing about Christ, and they would never say a bad thing about His Word. Anyone remember those days? We look to our leaders and we think, where are the leaders from the bygone era? 
Where is, where is, if for me, I'm, I'm a staunch conservative, where is the next Ronald Reagan? Where, okay, you know, if you're not a staunch conservative, where is John F. Kennedy? Someone who was saying, you know, ask not what you, can, you know, your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Someone who casted a vision for a nation that says, by the end of this decade, we will put a man on the moon. And, and so we look back and say, where are these leaders? Where are they? And it spawns hopelessness. And, and so that's, that's kind of the mantra of America right now is, is hopelessness. And if, if we look only with our natural eyes, that's all we have is hopelessness. But thank God, we don't have to look at all this just through natural eyes. Amen? Because if, if you look at it just with your natural perception, then, then you can get downright depressed. But as, 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 as followers of Christ, we don't have to be depressed. That's not our inheritance. That's not our birthright. That's not our destiny to be overcome by the enemy. The Word of God tells us that uh, you know, Christ will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen? The gates of, that doesn't mean, there was an old, anyone remember the old song, Hold the Fort for I Am Coming? Remember? Anyone remember that? Who remembers that song? For you young people, there was a song, and I hated this song, doctrinally it is so messed up. And the words of the song were, hold the fort for I am coming. Jesus signals still, and then all the little old ladies in the church would take their white hankies and they'd start raising it. Wave the answer back to heaven. By thy grace we will. Hold the fort. How about advance the kingdom? How about... I'm, I'm getting some issues, and if I have to, I'll take it off. But how about advance the kingdom? How about... Charge the gates of hell because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. How about spread the gospel of Jesus and advance it, the kingdom of God in the hearts of men? How about pray down heaven into your family? Pray down heaven into your community. Pray down heaven into this nation. Go out and be salt and light. Amen. Amen. That's what that's what the church is. That's that's our assignment. We have a birthright. And sometimes we look at what's going on and we're like, oh, God, what is going on in our nation? Where are you in the midst of this? Anyone ever feel that way? Huh? You ever feel that way? Oh, God, where are you in the midst of this? When they pass, you know, when they pass this Supreme Court decision, that Supreme Court decision, the other Supreme Court decision, where are you in all of this, God? Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 says this. Because God, God was, is not surprised by anything. God's not surprised by the godlessness in our nation. He's not surprised by the Supreme Court decision that, that said gay marriage is okay. He's not surprised by Roe versus Wade. He's not surprised when they, when they remove Bible reading from the school. He wasn't surprised when they removed prayer from the schools. The church may have been silent, but God was not surprised by it. Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. 
For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. God's answer has been and always will be the church. Arise, shine, your light has come. Oh, but there's, there's such evil in the world around us. Doesn't it say that darkness will cover the earth? It says that darkness, the, the root word means a prevailing spirit of wickedness. The darkness that covers the earth is a prevailing spirit of wickedness. Do we see that in the world around us? Is God surprised by that? And deep darkness will cover the hearts of people. It's, that gives the imagery of like a, a thick cloud coming and covering a mountain to where it obscures the mountaintop. Like a veil covering the hearts of people. Do we think, does it look like we have a veil covering the hearts of Americans? That their hearts are hard to the word, where they're blind to spiritual truth, where evil has become good and good has become evil, and there's this thick cloud covering them? That's the world we're living in. And God said, my response to that is for you to arise and shine. We, we, the body of Jesus Christ, Christ the head, we his body, him working through us by the Holy Spirit, we're the answer. We are the answer, not government, not, not the new elections, not some financial reform, not some, not some reform in, in the school system. It's the body of Jesus Christ rising up and shining in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You're getting a little better. I'll read a little bit of what I wrote. For far too long, we have marginalized ourselves as born-again believers. We have embraced an identity that is not ours any longer. In Christ, and this is key, in Christ. Not in our own merit, not in who we are, not in our own uh, you know, strength, and not in our willpower, but as we are dead to ourselves and alive in Christ, regenerated believers... In Christ, we are saints and not sinners. We are strong and not weak. We're authoritative and not ineffective. We are victorious and not defeated. We are destined for victory over darkness and not doomed to defeat. These are not simply platitudes. They are the truth of Scripture. They are our birthright as followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm so sick and tired of people just saying, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's all I am. I'm just a weak person and I need the grace of God. Yeah, we do need the grace of God. And if we rely upon our flesh, we are absolutely weak. But as regenerated believers, as born-again children who have been grafted in, filled with the Spirit of the living God, because greater is He that is me than he that is in the world, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells inside of me as a believer. 
And I am not defeated. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray Africa. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. We got to believe this. Either the word of God is true or it's not. And if it's true, then we are more than conquerors. If it's true, then we are, we are grafted in and we are children of the Most High God. And the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. So what can man do to me? Nothing other than send me to see Jesus sooner. Amen? Now we're going to get to our root text. If you have your Bibles... Oh, I'm just beginning. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. When you get it, say got it. 2 Peter chapter 1. I heard one got it. Let's try on unison. When you got it, got it. All right. Scroll through your tablet or your phone if you have to it says grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of god and of jesus our lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness i'll stop right there everyone say all things, all things. he's given us what all is there something missing in that No, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. The not just eternal life. He's given us everything that pertains to eternal life. He's given us everything that gives us an abundant life here on earth, a life that's pleasing to him, a life that's empowered by him and a life that enables life to flow out of us. Didn't Jesus say that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water? He's given us everything that pertains to life. Well, I can't be a godly person. I, I, have, I struggle with alcohol. I struggle with pornography. I struggle with fear. I struggle with this. And I struggle. Break your agreement with the enemy. Break your agreement with the. Stop agreeing that I'm bound to fear because I, I haven't been born of a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Amen? we got to stop agreeing with the plans of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy and begin to agree with the plans of God that we might have life and life more abundantly because he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I can be a godly person as I live humbly before him, cry out to him for strength every day, submit to his word and his will, and allow the Holy Spirit to search my heart. Amen? We have, this has to be bedrock truth to who we are. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Everyone say divine nature. nature. 
What nature do we live in accordance with? The nature of the flesh or the nature of Jesus? He's given us what? The divine nature. The very nature that enabled Jesus to live a sinless life. The nature of Jesus that enabled him to connect with the Father, hear what the Father is saying and then echo it in the world around him. See what the Father is doing and then do it in the world around him. We have been given that. How have we been given that? Through these exceedingly great and precious promises that are in the word does not the word tell us that we're more than conquerors that's a promise to all believers therefore we lay hold of that promise in prayer and declare it over our lives so that we might walk in that aspect of the divine nature of christ amen We need to dig into the Word and find the promises that are for believers, lay hold of them, because that's how we partake of the divine nature of Jesus. I'm just a fearful person. Hang on a minute. Doesn't the Word say that you were not born of a spirit of fear, but power of love and a sound mind? Then I'm going to lay siege to the stronghold of fear that is in my life until it is torn down because that is not my portion. That is not my birthright. My birthright is to be a conqueror. My birthright to be, is to be bold because the righteous are as bold as a lion. Amen? And if we are born again, then the righteousness that belongs to Christ belongs to us. And if I'm righteous, then I'm bold as a lion. Amen? That's Scripture. That's truth. That's our birthright. That is the birthright of born-again believers. And, And we must embrace this birthright. We must not despise this birthright. Biblically speaking, to despise is to lightly esteem. When it says do not despise prophecies, that means do not lightly esteem them. But they hear, if it's the word of the Lord, it carries weight. So we don't despise our birthright. We have an example of this in Scripture where someone despised his birthright. Esau despised his birthright. Sold it for a bowl of lentils. Now, my family, that would have been pasta que lindique. <laughs> you make the angel hair or the fettuccine or whatever, and then gra- this was my grandmother, and then she would make the, l- l- the lentils, the lindique, and then you would put that on top of the noodles, and then you would put on a bunch of fresh grated Romano or Parmesan. Oh. Now, I can see why he might have been tempted by that. But Jacob was not a cook like my grandmother. (laughs) Oh, pray for me. (laughs) You know, the the Italian prophet Malachi, you all know him, right? Malachi. Malachi. It ends in an I. It ends in a vowel. vowel. He's Italian. He just got in there. He said that, you know, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Because Esau did not embrace his birthright. Because a birthright gives you something. A birthright gives you positional authority and responsibility. See, when... when 
in the Hebrew culture, when the father would lay his hands on the firstborn son and, and, and bless him and give him his birthright, that birthright gave him the authority that when dad was gone or dad was dead, then he was in charge of the family. He could make all the financial decisions of the family. He was in charge of mom because she was now a widow. He was the head over his brothers and his sisters in the family. So he had a responsibility over the family because he had the birthright. Esau didn't want the responsibility. He didn't want the position of authority. He just wanted the he wanted all the blessing. But he didn't want the responsibility that came with the birthright. And so that's not that's not our portion in Christ. And our portion in Christ is we get the birthright in the absence, supposed, you know, physical absence of Jesus. We are now the the physical manifestation of Christ on the earth. We are his body. He is the head. He directs the body. Amen. As we live in submission to him, as Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So then we then exercise our birthright, our responsibility based upon positional authority in the absence of Christ. Our salt and the light that we are, we go out and we spread the the, the message of Christ, the love of Christ, the power of Christ in the world around us because that's our birthright. We're supposed to be doing this. But I didn't sign up for that. I signed up for the get out of hell free plan. With, with, with the comfortable life that I can sit on the sofa and, and not actually have to be uncomfortable and mix with people I don't know. And, and uh, my personality is not such that I, I put myself out there. I, I, I'm more of a background person. But, but you know what Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. We got to deny ourselves, we, and we got to take up our cross, die to self daily, die to, die to self in the areas where we're uncomfortable, and lean upon the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I have a lost coworker, I have a lost loved one, and, and no one is reaching them. I will die to myself, I'll put myself out there, and I'll endure, I'll endure rejection, I'll endure criticism, I'll endure the, the scowls that they may give me, because it's more important that they hear the message then i live a life of comfort and they go to hell without hearing amen? amen this is this is what it means to be a follower of jesus and to embrace that birthright we have to we have to embrace being uncomfortable at times well i don't like being well who likes being uncomfortable everyone loves i would you rather sit in a hard hard chair or a a lazy boy recliner i everyone would rather have the lazy boy recliner than sit on a little african stool that you're only about this high for hours no i'd rather be with my feet up in the barca lounger you know but you know what so what 
Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow him. Amen? See, our birthright prior to Christ was hell. Separation from God. That's what we deserved. Our birthright was to, to come into alignment with Satan and do his bidding. That's the kingdom we were in before we were born again. But when you're born again, you get a new birthright and responsibility that comes with it. Amen? It's one thing to have the responsibility and the positional authority due to your relationship with Jesus, but it's another thing to exercise it. And I've been using this example. When I was in law enforcement... Um, I can think of a lot of stories when I was in law enforcement. But I, 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 I investigated, I was a detective for most of my career. And uh, I was also on the SWAT team for about 15 years in California and in Florida. And I was, I was investigating this, this uh, break-in of a house. Um, and through the process of the investigation, um, I found out that the son broke into mom and dad's house and stole their safe and when and took it out into the woods and broke it open stole the money and the jewelry uh sold it for crack and other things and uh i you know i found out that the son did it i recovered the safe and all that other kind of stuff and so i'm looking for this guy because i have enough evidence to arrest him so i i Find him at, where of of all places, mom and dad's house. They do return to the scene of the crime. And so I I go to mom and dad's house, and there he is. And so they live in a nice neighborhood, and they have a nice pool in their backyard. And it's in Florida, so it's got this big screen cage over it. I don't know if you've ever seen those, but there's so many bugs down there. If you don't have a screen cage to protect you, you will die from the loss of blood from the mosquitoes. Amen? (laughs) Amen. Then you know what the state you know what the state bird of Florida is, don't you? The mosquito. Amen. So we're sitting around we're sitting around the patio table in the backyard underneath the, the screen porch. And, you know, I'm I'm just shooting the breeze with the guy and, you know, talking about anything, trying to break the ice with him, you know, and develop a rapport and, and all that kind of stuff. And the whole time my plan is to arrest him and take him to jail. But I want to get a confession from him first. So I'm trying to be nice, displaying, as you all can see, I have a very soft side to me. <laughs> and I'm displaying my softer, gentler, kind, gentler, kinder side to him. And finally, I think, okay, well, now we've got to get to, you know, why we're here. You know, someone broke into your parents' house and stole the safe, and I need to talk to you about that. But before we can do that, I've got to read you your rights. I read him his rights, and he says, I want a lawyer, I want to talk to you. I'm like, well, that's fine. You don't have to talk to me. You know, it's your constitutional right. You don't have to, you don't have to talk to me. So what I need you to do now is stand up, put your hands behind your back because you're under arrest. But we're on opposite sides of the patio table. And so he stands up and I stand up. And then he's looking over his shoulder to the screen door in the patio that leads out into the woods behind the house. And I look at him and I go, don't do it. And he's like, Looking over his shoulder, I'm like, don't do it. And so then he shoves the patio table at me, 
and bolts through the door. Well, I grab my radio and I put out, I'm in foot pursuit behind 108 Pine Street. And I throw the radio down and I take after this guy. And I'm like, you better stop as we're running through the woods. I'm waiting for the clearing. And I'm like, you better stop. You better stop. And he's just running. And then there, he came to this little bit of an opening and I gave him a phenomenal linebacker tackle. <laughs> it was awesome. Well, then he rolled over and tried to punch me, which was a really bad decision. And so I pounded this guy, cuffed him up. Well, we were fighting, you know, and I am not going to lose. <laughs> so we were fighting, I, and I, I subdue him. I cuff him up, and I drag him out of the woods, kicking and screaming out of the woods. Throwing, you know, get, a patrol car came up. I finally figured out what house I was near. Of course, they didn't have my radio, but they found me because I left it on the patio. I had a brand new shirt, new trousers. They're, they're grass-stained. I had a hole in the knee of my pants. I booked them into evidence. I'm going to charge this guy with resisting and use that as evidence against him. But the, you know, And so he went to jail. The whole point of that is, as a police officer, I have authority. I have the authority of a badge. I have the authority of, of, of a uniform. The, these outward manifestations of authority. I, I was a, then a police officer for the state of Florida. Prior to that, I was a police officer for the state of California. I had the backing of the government behind me. But if I wasn't willing to exercise that authority and impose it upon the ones that resist that authority, my authority would have been meaningless. And sometimes we're afraid to get involved in the battle, to mix it up with the enemy and impose the will of heaven in the domain of darkness. And we've we, we got to stop doing that. We've been given a birthright. Everything that pertains to life and godliness made partakers of the divine nature of Jesus so that we can impose the will of heaven in the world around us through our warfare. Amen? Oh, that was pretty sad. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. There we go. That's better. Come on, right before, just, let's just pretend that we're in Uganda right now, okay? We have to recognize that, 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 it's not just, well, I'm born again and I have all this authority, but I don't have to get involved in a fight sometimes. No wonder the enemy is ravaging us if we're not exercising the weapons of our warfare. Amen? Yeah. We got to get in the game, amen? amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. So we talked about all that. We talked about that. Uh, okay, I'll just get to this real quick. You have to be born again. If you're not born again, you need to be born again. If you want to have this birthright in Christ, then you have to be born again so that you receive the birthright of a believer. If you signed up for the get out of hell free plan and want to live your comfortable life, you need to repent. I'm serious. You need to repent. We are, we are members of the body of Christ. We're not members of the, of, of the I'm going to heaven so I don't have to smoke for eternity club. 
This isn't a social club. This is the church of Jesus Christ that is the ruling council of heaven. That's what the ecclesia is. The word translated in the New Testament is, into church is ecclesia. Very poorly translated church. Ecclesia, in the time that the Bible was written, everyone knew what ecclesia meant. It's a Greek word. It's a Greek word that, that was uh, the, meant the, the ruling council of a Greek city-state. A Greek city-state would take from amongst the people, the average citizens, they would take them out and make them part of the ecclesia, the ruling council of the Greek city-state power to make peace treaties they would have the power to declare war they would have the power to make trade treaties they would have the power to make judicial decisions they they were the ruling council of their region so when when the bible was written and king jimmy kind of made a little proclamation that you know i don't want you to say this about ecclesia just don't say this if you actually read the notes of the king james bible and the for translation it talks about that it's because he wanted to be the head of the church but the church is the head and so he didn't want you to know that you were supposed to be the ruling council he wanted to be the head of the church but the church is meant to be the ruling council of god We are the ones who are supposed to set the spiritual tone in a region. And we do that through our love. We do that through our sacrifice. We do that through our giving. We do that through our prayer. We do that through our service. We do that through the proclamation of the gospel. We do that by going out, laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover, casting out demons and doing everything else that the Bible says we're supposed to do as believers. Amen? So you can't come into the church without having a responsibility to to be part of that ruling council. If you don't like what's going on in the schools, then you wage war in the heavens. And sometimes that means we wage war on earth as well with our votes. We wage war with our with by writing letters. We 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 do things biblically and speak the truth in love. Amen. This day, that was that was you're African, amen. <laughs> we need to get in the game, get involved in the life of a young person, speak these very truths to them, develop a vigorous prayer life, speak life over yourself and others. We need to do. You find someone and you sow into them. It's a fatherless generation. Men looking for fathers. Speak life to them. Don't speak at what you see. Call forth their destiny in Christ. Stop focusing on all the screw-ups. They know their screw-ups. We all know their screw-ups. We call them out as to who they are in Christ. Be like the angel who saw Gideon trampling out grain for fear of the Midianites in the winepress. The angel appeared to Gideon and said, oh, mighty warrior. What? He's trampling out grain. He's in 
fear of the Midianites. So he's hiding in the winepress. I don't want the Midianites to see me. And God sent an angel who said, you know what? You're a mighty warrior. He called out who he was supposed to be, not what he was doing. And we need to do that over a young generation. Call out who they're supposed to be and not always focus on what they're doing. Speak life over them. Call them forth to a higher level. Amen? Disciple them. Give them good, godly books to read. I recommend that every single person read The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. Great. Anyone read that book? You need to read that book. Every new believer needs to read that book. Put that on your reading list. Everyone write The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. B-A-I-T. Bait. The Bait of Satan. Read that book. Give it to a young person. Have them read it. Discuss it with them. Find ways to make inroads into their lives. Pray for them. Encourage them. Amen? Amen. And above all else, develop a vigorous prayer life. If you have to lose sleep, lose sleep. Your life is not your own. Jesus would get up early in the morning and pray. Jesus would go into a solitary place and pray. And if we think we can do it without prayer, then we think we have found a better way than Jesus did. Amen? There's no better way than the way Jesus did it. Speak life over yourself. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You're His workmanship. You're a handcrafted masterpiece of Jesus Christ. And there is a destiny. There's works that only you are supposed to be doing because He prepared them for you so that you can walk in them. You have a specific role in the kingdom of God. Amen? Everyone say, I have a specific role in the kingdom of God. How are you going to discover that role? In prayer. Develop a vigorous prayer life and claim this is a great and precious promise. It's one of the great and precious promises that we have that Peter spoke about that we make us partakers of the divine nature of Christ. I'll go through these quickly. Revelations 1, 6 declares that we're kings and priests. Romans 8, 17 says that we're joint heirs with Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says we're temples of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 37 says we're more than conquerors. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 says we're Christ's ambassadors. Revelations 22, 17 says we're the bride of Christ. Romans 5, 17 says that we are righteous. Ephesians 6, 13 through 17 says that we are well armed to be victorious in battle. Amen? Amen. This is just a smattering, a very thimbleful of the great and precious promises that we have to lay hold of as believers. We have to believe. How much time do I have, Zach? How am I doing? A few minutes? All right, I'll wrap it up here. (laughs) Whatever that means. But we need to lay hold of these truths. 
And we, we need to pray Him into our lives. We need to pray Him over our children. We need to pray Him over our, our, our nation. We need to pray Him over the body of Christ. That we come into the fullness of who we are. And that we stop letting the world dictate. We stop letting circumstances dictate our joy level and dictate our peace level. I, okay, I, can I tell you a story? A short one, yeah, I know. I got to make it short. Okay, I'll make it. I had this. Yeah, I was planning a trip to go to Uganda. Well, our church in Florida, we were planning a church in this small village called Mvunamba. And uh, and about six months before the the trip, I had this dream. And in this dream. The Lord handed me, and it was like a giant, double-fisted handful of keys. And then uh, he said, you need to take these keys, you need to organize them so you know where they are when you need them. And as I was holding these keys, and as I put them on, now there's like a desk in front of me. As I put them on there, all of a sudden they have like these little key hangers on them, like you can hang them in a key box. And there's a key box in front of me. And so I lay the keys out. And I pick up the first key, and as I'm hanging it in the key box, because he told me to organize them, so I know where they are. As I'm hanging it up, I go, what's this a key to? And he says, it's a key to a closet in Africa. And as I hung up the key, I woke up from the dream. And so I'm wondering, first of all, my first thoughts, but what are all the other keys for? <laughs> and so you know, I started praying about it, like, what is, what's this closet in Africa? And my first thought are, well, monsters hide in closets, you know, like little kids. And so I start talking to some godly friends of mine and, you know, told them about the dream. Well, they're like, well, maybe it's, maybe it's the key of intercession. You know, you go into the, you know, your closet, you shut the door in the secret place and, you know, the father, you know, in the secret place rewards you and yada, yada, yada. Maybe it's going to be about prayer. Maybe it's going to be about this. Maybe it's going to be about that. I had no stinking idea what it was about. But I, you know, I knew it was a God dream. I knew he was speaking to me. And I guess that makes me an old man because it says your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. <laughs> and shortly after I had that dream, an all-out attack from hell came on my family. It was, I mean, it was horrible. And, and I mean, it was, and some people knew what was going on and the, all these voices are saying, why are you still planning this trip to Uganda? Shouldn't, you should be staying at home and taking care of this and taking care of that and yada, yada, yada. I actually had people in the church saying, you know, you know, come, you know, just telling me I'm stupid for going, yada, yada, all that kind of stuff. You know, it was this attack and people are acting, you know, in, in their natural knowledge and based upon what they know and they're trying, you know, they think they're doing the right thing. But I know God spoke to me about something and I'm familiar with spiritual warfare that the enemy will throw something at you to keep you off your game and to get your focus off of God's will and plan for your life. Amen. We need to live in light of that, that God has plans for us and that the enemy will throw everything in the kitchen sink at us to get us off God's will and plan for our lives. And we can't be distracted by the enemy and what he's doing. And so I raised the money for the trip anyway, and and we led a team of about 13 people. It was 13 people. And it was glorious. I mean, it was, it was like the book of Acts came alive. 
I literally, I mean, they, they, I had, you remember the gate beautiful where they, silver and gold have I none, but what have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Well, these guys came, these two guys came and we had these open air crusades in this little village on this little wooden stage that these, Afri- these uh, Ugandans built. I love it. They put about 20 people up there dancing. That whole stage rocks and you think it's going to fall, you know, and they're singing their hearts out, praying, declaring the word of the Lord, challenging people to come to the meeting that night. It's, it's, it's so much fun. And these guys that carried their friend to me and they lay him at my feet at the end of the message when we had an altar call. And, and I'm like, what's the matter with him? And they said, he hurt his knee and he can't walk anymore. And so I got down and I touched his leg and I began to pray for him and that, that God would heal his leg. And I grabbed him by the hands and I said, now get up and walk. And this guy very tentatively stood on his left leg because it was his right leg that was messed up. And then he, he, he put a little bit of weight on it, and then he tested it a little more, and then he began to limp a little bit, and then he began to walk, and then he began to jump, and then he began to run, and his two Muslim friends that carried him there said, we want to give our heart to Jesus. Do we have to change our names? And there was, a, there was this lady that... I, I'm trying to make this as fast as I can, Zach. I'm, this lady was there, and, and I just felt led to pray for her. It, actually, she came up to me. But as, I, as I'm praying for her, I felt led to say, come out in Jesus' name. So I lay my hand on her head, and I'm like, come out, come out in Jesus' name. I have no, why, no idea why I'm saying this, but I just felt that's what the Holy Spirit wanted me to say. And every time I said that, this lady would bend over at the waist, and spit out this yellowy goop. And after doing that about 20, 25 times, the last time, she threw up this big pile of this yellowy gunk, shot her hands up in the air, and began to praise Jesus. Now, I don't know what she was saying because I don't speak the language, but I grabbed, I grabbed her arm because I want to find out what happened. And I'm looking for one of my Ugand, one of the Ugandan team members so they can interpret for me and tell me what happened. And I know this, this lady was obviously saved, but something was going on. So I'm holding on her. I'm like, come here. Finally, I grab one of the guys. Come here. Something happened. I don't know what it was, but I need to know. And so he talks to her, and then he says, she's had malaria for four years. The, she's been to the doctors and the doctors have not been able to cure her. And when, as you were praying for her, God healed her. And that's why she shot up her arms in the air. And, and on this trip, there was a little girl named Mary. We all fell in love with Mary. She was like 10 years old at the time. And uh, she wore the same dress every day. You know, just poor little African girl. And everyone on the team loved her. And, and the last day we're there, we're, we're in, they had a little mud hut church and we're in the church and we're praying for people that are possess, demonically possessed and casting out demons out of them, just like it says we're supposed to do in the Bible. And, and I'm praying over this one lady and, and as I'm praying over here, I hear someone shouting on the other side. It's a Ugandan because they pray, pray as loud as I do. And, and they and I look over and they're praying over Mary. And so I'm like, I love this girl. 
And like, I got to find out what's going on. So I'm like, get out of her now. Come out in Jesus' name. Out, out, out. Okay, fine. She's delivered. I got to go find out what's going on with this girl. I don't have time for you, demon. Amen. See, you know, we, we have demons here in America, but we've clinicalized them. We make nice names about them that fit our westernized, godless worldview. And it's crept in and we don't even realize it sometimes. But anyway, so I go over there. It's like, what is going on with Mary? And, and the, the, a little bit of her background, her mom and sister had died several months earlier. And she was living with her grandmother. Her dad's a Muslim and he's living in another village. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the background. And says, so I'm talking to one of the guys. They're like, well, she says that every day the, the ghost of her mom and sister are coming to her and telling her, don't go be with the white people. Don't go to their crusades. Stay, come and be with us. Basically trying to get her to kill herself. Because that's the ghosts of mom and, dad, uh, mom and sister who are dead. And so they're praying over this girl. And they're like, cast you know, they're trying to cast a demon out of her. Because I'm hearing they're saying, come out in Jesus' name. Come out. And I'm like, this, I, I'm, that's not right. This girl's not demon-possessed. I know it. I talk to her every day. I know she, I know she's, she loves Jesus. Um, I don't know what's the matter. And so I'm, I'm there, and I'm praying over her. And I'm, I'm like, God, this is all messed up. What's going on? And he's like, I gave you a key, and I expect you to use it. And I'm like, oh, my God. The monsters are out of the closet. And so I, I, I recognize, I told everyone, just shut up. I, I know what to do. And it's like I took authority over this girl, spiritually speaking. And I bound those demons from attacking her. And, and I put them in the closet and I took the key that Jesus gave me. And I, sh- I told them, I'm, I'm putting you in the closet. I'm shutting the door and I'm locking it because Jesus gave me a key of authority over you. And I'm never going to relinquish authority over this young lady. I'm never relinquishing authority over her. You will never attack her again because you're in the closet. The door is locked and I am never relinquishing the key over her. And the attack broke off of her. Her countenance changed, and, 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 and she was set free. So six months before this whole event, God knew the cries of a young girl. And it's nothing for God to, to send someone halfway around the world to set one person free. He's looking for people who are willing and obedient. That's what he's looking for. It's not that I'm special. It's not that I'm special. I may be special, (laughs) but that's different. (laughs) But he's just looking for someone to say yes. We went back the next year and I'm looking for her and she's not in the village. And long story, her mother, her dad brought her back to her own village and put her in a Muslim school. And then now he, he got a hold of him on the phone. He brought her to us and saw her interact with us and, and walked her. You know, after the, everything was done, I got to pray over dad, witness to dad. There was a, a Muslim, former Muslim who is now a pastor, Pastor Abdul. Pastor Abdul just happened to be on the team and he was able to you know, witness to this guy and tell him about his conversion experience, which was Jesus appearing to him in a dream, telling him that he is the way, the truth, and the life. 
And then, and then at the end of all this, dad takes his daughter by the hand, walks her over to us and says, she is yours. I trust you with my daughter. So a friend and I were, were sponsoring this girl through school. She's going to a Christian boarding school in Uganda where she is learning the ways of Christ. And in every summer and in every semester break, she's going back home to her Muslim family sharing the light of Christ. When God gives you authority, sometimes we don't realize just how much authority He gives us. It wasn't just the authority to break off a demonic attack, but it was authority over this girl's life so that her entire eternity can change and the eternity of her family. We need, to, we need to embrace and walk in our birthright, amen? So, I know, I've got I to close. I'm sorry. All right. We need to embrace this birthright. It's ours. And I just do this real quick. If you recognize that, you know what? You, you've, been, you've fallen short. Of, of embracing your birthright, and you want to make a declaration today that from today forward, as God enables me, I'm going to embrace and live in my birthright. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Amen. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to embrace my birthright in its fullness. I want to be led by your Spirit and not by my flesh. I commit my life to you afresh. I pledge to you this day that I will deny myself I will take off my cross and I will follow Jesus. Use me in whatever way you see fit. And help me every day to overcome every obstacle of the enemy by the truth of your word and the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, name. amen. 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 God bless you all. Amen. Amen.